Hi, and welcome to the We Make It Work podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to be recording from a wonderfully invented space called the Living Lab, which is a Cushman and Wakefield office in the city of Utrecht in Holland. And today, I'm going to be talking to Gerda Stelpstra, who is a partner in the Dutch business and responsible for Occupy Strategy. Welcome to the podcast, Gerda. Thank you. Um, let's start in the middle of the pandemic and what we called the six foot office. Can you just explain that a little bit and maybe how that's now morphed into where we're sitting? Yeah, of course. So during the pandemic, um, uh, one of the challenges that we had in our office spaces is that a lot of our offices were very cramped. A lot of people were sitting very closely uh, next to each other. So at the beginning of the pandemic, as Cushman and Wayfield, we came together and we thought about how can we make offices still work? Because we do believe in the value of our offices. Um, and we came up with a six-foot office concept. And the six-foot office concept actually is the social distancing being implemented into our office environment by taking out, uh, at the time, meaning taking out different uh, workstations so that you wouldn't be sitting so close next to each other. Um, and it was a concept that we rolled out for a lot of our clients, helping them to sustain their offices uh, during the pandemic. Great. So if we take that concept and then there's another big step that, that Cushman took, which I'm really interested in, is how did how did we then think about what we've done in in Utrecht with what you've called the living lab? What What was the sort of the thought process and how did that come about? The office opened in April of 2022, uh, so you can imagine that while we were designing this office space, we were still dealing with uh, with COVID and the restrictions that we had in our office space. So we wanted to make a space that was um, uh, respectful of the, the different uh, restrictions that we had during our pandemic uh, exercise here in the Netherlands. At the same time, we also didn't want it to scream COVID. We didn't want to have a lasting reminder of COVID. So we do have the social distancing concept in place, meaning we don't have any groups of four or six desks. We have groups of two desks that are um, split by green plants and by alternative types of settings. And I think what's interesting about that, and when we were going around it earlier, I noticed this, is that the noise levels it seems to me compared to to other offices I've been in that have kind of been kept in check. And I think some of that has to do with the fact that you don't have banks of six desks. Is that is that right? Is that accurate? I think definitely that is a part of the answer. Um, it is, we have a more spacious setup. So we also generally have less amount of people working behind a desk on the floor, but we also have a lot of alternative settings. So if you are very loud, you have the possibility to walk away and work somewhere else. And, and give a couple of examples of that. Cause again, having seen it, there's some interesting, there's interesting color scheme and there's also some interesting spaces, um, particularly for the, the brokers that you talked about earlier. So tell me about that. Yeah, so maybe a little bit of background to answer that question is Utrecht, the, the office here in Utrecht is a result of two of our offices combining together. And um, that brought along different types of departments, different types of people that are working uh, different types of jobs. So have different activities during the day. And therefore, we have uh, brokers in our office that are uh, more on the phone. Uh, we have more administrative uh, personnel that are behind the computer more uh, a larger part of the day. Um, we have project managers that are in constant meetings, constantly talking to each other on the floor, not necessarily in the meeting room. 
So we wanted to make sure that it was a place where everybody felt comfortable working. And um, so we have different types of settings that uh, accompany different types of people. We have focus booths, one person and two person focus booths. We have a large co-working area because we want it to be a central hub where everybody can drop in and work for a day or for half a day. Um, but we also took into consideration the brokers, which I'm sure that you're referring to. We have a what we call a brokerage highway here in the office, which is it is a part of the office where um, there is a different tenant on our floor that is able to walk past. Um, so it is kind of a, a piece of area where you walk by. And the idea there is that, you know, it's a place where you can pay. So you can walk back and forth and where you can be very loud on the phone and you can have no one being disturbed by it. And I think that's really good because brokers and th th this talks to designing the space for the type of people, the type of work people have to do. And we all know in, in our industry, brokers like to pace up and down and they, when they're negotiating, when they're, they're trying to get information rather than sit at a fixed desk. So you've created um, a corridor in effect where they can go and do that without it disturbing the rest of the office. Is that is that's what you're saying? Yeah, it's a place where it, it doesn't disturb others, um, but we also know that it is a natural relief of a, a difficult conversation to be able to pace back and forth. So we do want to have the ability to do that. One of the other things I've noticed is the very bright and what I'd call prime colors that you're using on different parts of the floor on the staircase, which is a central staircase connecting all the floors in the building, even though we're only on one. So talk to me about the the choice of color and, and honestly, how, how did that get approved? Because I'm slightly surprised. Yeah, so this is definitely not the type of uh, color scheme that you would expect for a, a corporate organization. Um, we have our own architects within our uh, company and they actually sit in this office as well. Uh, Jeffrey van der Wees was uh, the architect on this office and uh, his his thought process is I'm going to go all the way out. So my first my first draft, my first concept of the space is going to be extreme because then I'm going to be pulled back and I can get a compromise about halfway there. So he started presenting what is called the Memphis style. So it's you know very uh, very visual colors, very uh, apparent. Um, he presented that to the project team. And the project team was, they gasped. It was extreme, but at the same time, they were like, okay, go ahead, go, go do this. Um, so that's, I think that's awesome because that just really shows um, that we as a company really do want to set something new. We want to create a new environment that's different from what we've had. And I think that's also important from a, from a, a mental perspective. It's really a new start and it's really a different type of office than our other offices. And I think that you're beginning to tell a story, which I, which I really like and want to dig into, which is, you know, we kind of started because of the pandemic with this idea of a six foot office. We took some of the learnings from that and said, okay, now post pandemic, let's create an office that that keeps some of what was good about that. Um, you're now talking about colors and, and the name I think is, is very, um, is, is very good and it's called the living lab. And that's all about to me, at least experimentation and change. But can you talk a little bit about what you mean by the living lab? Yeah. So, this is our living lab and a living lab in our, from our point of view is a place where we can, it, it's a playground. It's a place where we can test and experience, um, experiment with different concepts, with different workplace concepts, with different design concepts, with different furniture setups, 
Um, we have a lot of people within our organization that are working on what does certain colors do with you and uh, your emotions or uh, what does different patterns do with you if you have um, if you're neurodivergent so we have for instance we have quite a hefty zebra 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 profiles within uh, the office design what does that do how does that impact someone and how you're feeling um so it, it, the office kind of developed into a playground and, and anything that our clients come up with or that we come up with as a team is something where we can test and where we can uh, fool around with it. And again, just to, to be clear, the, the zebra pattern, as, as we call it, is both carpet, but it's also on the walls and it's used in different parts of the building. So it's visually very apparent when you go to part of the space and you see it. And I think, again, what's interesting about that, as you say, is you're beginning to test whether that is has a positive influence or a negative. So we start getting into thoughts around productivity. And there's a couple of things you, you said to me when we were chatting earlier, but one is about one of the, the Cushman groups wanting to move its its home base, let's say, from another office that we have in, in Holland to this one and the reasons, which are a bit, let's say, off-center, off but... Um, so I'd like to talk about that, and then I'd like to talk about the experimentation. But let's just start with different groups within Cushman hearing about this particular living lab and why they wanted to be here. Yeah. Um, so this was a really big change, this office, for the people that work here. As you can imagine, we came from a quite traditional office space uh, in Utrecht, and we had a uh, more architect-based office in Naarden, which was uh, design-wise, it was uh, very nice. But from a workplace concept and how it supported the way that we work, it was um, it was still very traditional. And this office was supposed to be, it's supposed to be a connecting place. It's supposed to be an office where anyone within Cushman and Wakefield in the Netherlands or from abroad mm-hmm. can feel welcome and can come in. Um, when we started this office, we had 180 uh, employees based out of this office, but it was actually, uh, it became quite popular uh, after a couple of months. And there are a couple of reasons for that. There, uh, One of the reasons is just because of its centrality. So it's really close to public transportation. It's close to highway. So for a lot of teams in the Netherlands, it's an easy place to, to go to. Um, the other part is the design. It just feels very different than our other offices. And uh, we have a large area where, where we call it our co-working area, where you can open up your laptop and and you can just work with your team the entire day. When I come in here with my team, I usually sit in the co-working area because I don't sit behind a desk the entire day. Um, so we sit as a team together on a, um, a table in the canteen-ish area. Um, and I think that's something that pulled a lot of teams into this office as well. Um, however, on paper, it's not my home base office. And we did have some teams that actually switched their home base office to be part of this office here. And the interesting part of it, it, it isn't always the office. It's also other behaviors like the rights that you have that comes uh, with a home base. So in, in this instance, it's uh, parking is very difficult in this building because it's very publicly transported. It's really good accessible. So by transitioning teams here, you have um, uh, more parking capabilities here as well. One of the interesting things around Living Lab, and I think also with the people that are involved in Living Lab, is it's part office space and what office does to people, 
but it's also a possibility to look into behaviors and rituals of the people that are here because we have so many different people on our team. So we have real estate professionals. We have, I'm an anthropologist from background. We have a neuropsychologist on our team. We have FMers, we have hospitality. So we, we come at this from different aspects and therefore just making the conclusion, oh, we have a higher headcount in this office doesn't necessarily make this office the best office or it doesn't tell us anything until we look at the patterns behind it. And that's why I think it's super interesting to look at how our teams are moving around this office. Yeah, and I think one of the things we've we've learned from the pandemic and, and how we want to design space going forward is this idea that you've got to constantly iterate and think about what it is that's working and what isn't, and we don't have all the answers. Underpinned, of course, by data rather than someone's bright idea that they had that morning. So. Talk to me a little bit about the technology that has been put in the space that allows you to collect that data. Um, so in this office, we have a, a full smart building system, meaning that we have desk sensors beneath every single desk. We have desk sensors uh, below drop-down stations as well, so we can measure utilization of those types of settings. Uh, we also have what we call point grab systems, meaning that in a more general area, we can count the amount of people that are in there. Uh, for our meeting rooms, we can count the amount of people that are coming in there that are. Uh, so what we'll do basically is look at, okay, this is a, an eight person meeting room. How is it actually being used? Is it being used with eight people or are often people with four people uh, having meeting there? Pre-COVID, we saw, for instance, that in general, 90% of our meetings are with four people or less. And of those 90% of four people or less meetings, 50% were actually one person meetings, meaning that someone is using a meeting room as a focus booth. So we really want to monitor kind of how the spaces are being used and if we have the right types of spaces so that when, um, when there are complaints or when we feel that there's something not right, we can look into the data. We can see, oh, well, we say that we don't have enough meeting rooms, but actually we don't have enough focus rooms. Um, so that's part of our smart building technology. We also have systems in place that measure air quality. So we have systems in place that look at CO2 measures, temperature levels, but also we have a warning system in there telling us that there is a risk for a virus going around so that we can um, proactively uh, act on situations like that. Which, of course, we wouldn't have had before. So you're not only thinking about what happened, the pandemic, and therefore how we can react very quickly if that happens again, but also taking a lot of the learning from that to make the space one that people do want to come to because they feel safe there. Is that the idea? Yeah, I think, I think it's... Uh, the the office like we had pre-COVID, it's just it's it wasn't a very nice place. You'd come in, you wouldn't feel very safe, especially after like a Christmas party, like viruses would go around like crazy. Um and it's just being packed into a space, that's something that we wanted to step away from. And having a more spacious setup, but still being able to have the amount of people in the same space means that you have to look at how you work differently. And um so I do, I do feel that this is a safer place physically and mentally to be in than our offices pre-COVID were. Which is, yeah, which is really interesting because I, I, what you're focusing now on, I guess, is the health and well-being of the staff, yeah. which I'd say for most businesses pre-COVID 
was not something they thought about in terms of office design. There'd be health and safety, but that's something, as we know, is very different. What you're now talking about is staff well-being. So as that kind of unfolds, maybe we could look into the future a little bit and just talk about what, what are the things that you'd like to do or are doing here that take the data um, and are beginning to paint a story that you think, okay, we should probably change that because things have maybe settled down in terms of hybrid working. So we got a better idea of who's coming in and when. Are yeah. there things you're beginning to think about in that sense? Yeah, so we have a couple of experiments that we want to run. Um, the most interesting one that we're, and, and I think the biggest project that we're doing is something that we call organizational network analysis. So what we've done is we have our um, Microsoft data available. We've analyzed that, and that tells us kind of which groups actually work together um, from an online perspective. Um, as an anthropologist, I'm super interested in, okay, this tells us that we work together online, but does that actually mean that I'm working with that person when I'm in the office? I think those are two different things. So we want to, we have data on the one side uh, about how we work together and with whom we work and how our networks form within the office. Um, and then the next step is to put a qualitative um, glass over it to make sure that what we're measuring is also what we're seeing happening in the office. So from a more qualitative perspective with uh, from a community setup. So we'll have community sessions with the people that work here. We'll have workshops. We can do interviews, but also just walking around and seeing how people move and how they interact without um, having a, a survey done around it is, as I think, super valuable. Um, once we have kind of a clear view of how people actually work together, so the quantitative and the qualitative aspects, one of the things that we're thinking about is rearranging how people sit we have a free seating arrangement now, so anybody can sit anywhere, but we do have our natural corners that we flow into. What we want to test is, okay, if we put people together that on paper work together, what does that do to collaboration and, and how does that impact productivity? Um, so I think that's the biggest project that we are looking at uh, implementing. Um, but other smaller projects are things like rearranging furniture, looking at different furniture settings that we have in the office, seeing how they're being utilized, and then moving it around. So we have a collaborative setting in an, uh, a workspace area that visually we can see is not used very well. So we're going to look at the sensor data and see how well it is being used. And we're going to position it in a different area within the office and see if it is deceiving itself or if it is the location that is the reason why it's not being used. Um, and that helps us when we're designing our offices for our clients um, that we we really stand behind the concept that we've set up. And you mentioned earlier collaboration. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Are we collaborating with using this space? Are we collaborating either in the data research area, i.e. with universities or with clients or bringing them in so they can see how different settings might work? How, how are you thinking about that as part of the Living Lab? Yeah, so we, we see Living Lab as something that's open source. We really want to work together um, because we believe that we're, we're passionate about what we do. Um, I think anybody that works kind of in the future of work and workplace arena is very passionate about what they do. Um, for us, we're just really interested. 
we're interested in what we can figure out here. And, and sometimes it's asking the right questions and sometimes it's having the right resources. And by working together with other parties, we can make sure that we have the capacity to do that and, uh, and the energy and, and the creativity to do that. So currently we're working with the TU Eindhoven, um, uh, which, is which is a university in the Netherlands. Yeah, so uh, one of the examples that we're doing is an acoustical test. Uh, we are testing sound masking systems and seeing, uh, we're doing A and B testing. So one, one area is sound mask and a different area is not. What does that do? Uh, is it uh, as efficient as we say it is? Um, but we also regularly invite our clients to come in and uh, ask questions that we can test or brainstorm together so that we can um, really use the space together. Great. So it really is, in that sense, a, a living lab. The idea is that over the next one, three, five years, it's going to constantly evolve based on not only what you, as you said, you observe as you walk around, but also what the data collected internally done with external people tells us. Yeah, it really is supposed to be a community, a place where everybody can uh, pitch in. One thing I'm sort of curious about, maybe to, to finish up on on this and, and think about next steps is how, is it possible at all to talk about how... Um, this space can be taken as a proxy for spaces in different parts of Europe. Because of course, what we're sat in the middle of Holland. Um, it's really interesting. I can see this being very useful in the UK where I'm from, but have you thought, have we thought at all about how this could be um, used across Europe or is it, do you think as a designer and an anthropologist, it's going to be different by country. And so you need to have one of these in every country to really test it. I think you don't need to have one in every country to test it, but you do have cultural differences. Um, one of the very apparent differences, for instance, between the UK and the Netherlands, uh, even about returning to work, is in the Netherlands we see more people actually returning to the office, driven by high energy prices um, and driven by also our, our culture and how we look at work. So we, we see more people going back into the office than, than, for instance, in London, where also in London, you have to pay for your own commute to come in, which is an extra hurdle to take to actually come into the office. So it's not just culture, but it's also local regulations, local, local policies that are impacting how we use our space and how we work, um, and also how uh, privacy is perceived um, how in general you interact. Dutch people are very direct. So an open space has always been kind of a part of the Dutch workplaces. And it has been, um, it, we were one of the first to implement activity-based working because it fits the way that we communicate with each other. But for a very uh, closed off culture, a very private uh, culture, it will be far more difficult. So I, I do think that there are um certain areas that we need to take into consideration cultural-wise. That being said, if something impacts you, if you are neurodivergent, it's going to impact you if you live in the Netherlands or if you live in the UK. And if a seating doesn't work here in an open space, then yes, maybe we can still test it uh, in the UK to see if that is the same issue there. But there are a lot of variables. So I'd say that you can take a lot of lessons learned from this. Uh, we do have the ambition to open up more living labs uh, across the entire Kushman Wayfield portfolio to see how that can um, 
how we can have more tests and iterations on the different topics that we do. Great. Well, thank you very much for your time. I look forward to doing another of these in, a, in another office, of course, with our living lab, maybe in Madrid or in the US somewhere to see what those changes are. But in the meantime, thank you so much for your time. Really great talking to you. Great. Thank you.